welcome back to the Entertainment Goes Pop podcast, where all things entertainment cross over with all things pop culture, meaning all topics are fair discussion, including TV, movies, music, sports, video games. All of it is discussed on this podcast. On this week's episode of the podcast, I've got discussion on Drama Queens, the One Tree Hill podcast that has just launched, where they are going back and doing a rewatch of One Tree Hill. I am doing it along with them, watching the rewatch as well. And I'm going to discuss some of the things that they talked about in their first podcast. Just a really enjoyable listen. I'm going to talk some Olympics, NBA playoffs. And it's Big Brother time. I've got some in-depth discussion as we're going to go into all the preview on Big Brother 23, the game, the cast. Going to go in-depth on these bios of this cast and discuss these house guests that we've got. And we're going to hope for a great season of Big Brother 23. So let's get right into this episode of the podcast. you are a One Tree Hill fan, this is something you absolutely need to listen to. Hillary Burton Morgan, Sophia Bush, and Bethany Joy Lenz have launched a podcast with the three of them. They are going back and re-watching One Tree Hill from the beginning. It's a lot of fun. They have done two podcasts so far, two episodes. They did one that was kind of an introduction where they just kind of talked about it was just basically, it was like a pilot for themselves. It was like a pilot episode of the podcast where they just kind of talked about the build up to One Tree Hill, their characters, their early memories, just kind of an overall look and kind of get the podcast started. It is called Drama Queens. You can look that up on anything you listen to your podcast on. They are going to do it episode by episode. So, They've got two episodes. The second episode is them just talking about the pilot episode. So as far as One Tree Hill, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I try to figure out where to put it. And I have really had thoughts lately that it probably sits top five all time for me. Because of just the rewatch and just how much I've enjoyed the show. And how much I've loved it even in the years since that the show has been off the air. Of course, One Tree Hill ran, it premiered on September 23rd, 2003. I actually went back and watched the pilot of of this episode because I've been wanting to do a rewatch myself of One Tree Hill. I just thought it would be fun. I've been thinking about doing it for years. And then when I heard they were going to do this, I thought, well, this is the perfect opportunity. I'm going to do this with them. I'm going to rewatch it. I rewatched the pilot this week. Just still loved it. My memories of watching the pilot episode of One Tree Hill back in 2003, of course, earlier that year, Dawson's Creek had ended, which is another one of my all-time favorite shows. And I was just in complete withdrawal that that show was done and not going to be on anymore. It was just a show I loved so much. And then we get to the fall of 2003 and One Tree Hill is shot there in Wilmington. It's got a very similar style to Dawson's Creek as far as like the way it's produced. Just a very similar kind of show. You have the music tie-in. Just, just the whole style of it was very Dawson's Creek-like. And I thought, 
this it's like I rolled over, you know, I went from Dawson's Creek and then rolled right into One Tree Hill. So when you take that, it's basically like I had this similar kind of show starting from Dawson's Creek in 1998, rolling all the way through One Tree Hill, taking it to 2012. So my memory of watching the pilot is I didn't watch it live. I recorded it and watched it like the night after or something. I worked nights at work. So, and it was usually just me there that late at night. So with that job, it was like the TV was something that just really got me through the night. You know, it'd be late and everybody else would be headed home and I'd be there by myself. So I'd be watching TV, seeing what was going on. And I brought the tape with me of One Tree Hill and put it in the VCR there and watched it and just loved it immediately. I absolutely loved it. I still remember where I was sitting watching it and was just glued. Just had such a great time watching it. And I just knew, it's like, I love this show. This is going to be something very fun to watch. And with the rewatch, you know, I just, I love how the show opens where it opens up with a graphic rolls right into that footage of that iconic bridge that is so famous with one tree hill as lucas chad michael murray dribbles that basketball across that bridge just the perfect way to open up that show because that's the iconic image of that show is that bridge and that and then also of course like the river court and there's just so many images of One Tree Hill that are just so famous. I had a great time watching this pilot episode again. Of course, I still love the ending scene. Just so perfect to where we have the big basketball showdown there at the end. The Lucas shot to win as Saliva's Rest in Pieces plays. Just such perfectly produced scene with just the way they hit the song, just beautiful. And that, to me, showed what this show was going to be just on a production level to where how much like music was going to mean to the show, to where it would tie in and bring such great images and scenes to life even more with this music. So, yeah, that was just, just great stuff. And with this podcast, I'm just going to kind of go over just a few of the highlights of some of the things they discussed on this. And let me tell you, just just listen to this podcast. It's so fun. And the whole time I was laughing through it, loving their stories, I just thought I'm going to have such a good time listening to this podcast and listening to them tell stories and just listening to them reminisce because it feels like you're sitting there with friends. It really does. It just, it's really awesome. So some of the things they talked about, and I think I knew this, but I don't, I don't know if it just kind of went out of my brain or what, but the original plan for the show was that it was going to be different where it was going to be told through like the narration of coach Durham. And it was basically going to be like his, story narrating telling the story looking back and they said that of course this was the plan it was going to be very just like this kind of sports show you know kind of you know like that kind of kind of deal they actually compared it to 
like eight mile because they said eight mile had come out around that time and they kind of compared the style of it to that with what it was originally going to be as far as the narration and everything and then of course they talked about their main competition was the OC which premiered that summer and got a jump on them and they talked about just how popular the OC was and that it really changed up One Tree Hill from what it was going to be. And they, you know, they talked about in it that because of how the OC was, they decided we're going to have to sex the show up, basically, and we're going to have to make some changes. And of course, the original plan for the show, it was going to be called Ravens instead of One Tree Hill, which of course, Ravens, if you're not familiar Ravens is the name that's that's the name of the high school team, you know, the Tree Hill Ravens. So but then of course they changed it to One Tree Hill, which was the great call because if you've listened to the 90210 podcast, they had the same issue with that show to where the original plan for 90210 is that it was going to be named something with the high school tied into the name. They might have even been calling it like West Beverly High. I don't remember what the official title was that they were going to call it. And I'm not sure they actually ever said what it was going to be, but it was going to be tied to the high school name. And somebody spoke up and said, we don't need to be doing that because we want to eventually get these characters to college and into their post you know, high school lives. And if we, we don't want to tie it to the high school because we don't want it to be just a high school show. It's like, yeah, that's what they are right now. But we eventually want to get these characters moving on into their post high school lives. And this would have been the same situation with One Tree Hill. If they had named it Ravens, that ties it to the high school team. Now, granted, I mean, they, they came back to the high school, you know, to where they they eventually had ties back with the coaching, you know, and things like that. But that would have been a problem. You know, I don't... So, I mean, they made a great call there to change the name. So that was why they kind of changed kind of what the focus of the show was going to be because the OC was really popular. I remember how popular that show was coming out of the summer I watched the OC, I think I watched like the first four or five episodes trying to get into it. I just never could get into the OC. It's not like I didn't like it or anything. It was just a good, solid show. It was just something I just, it didn't hook me to keep into it, you know. So, but then One Tree Hill came along and it's like, I am in. I love the show. Hillary talks about in this podcast about how disliked Peyton was uh, with her character. Of course, if you're not familiar with One Tree Hill, Hillary Burton Morgan played Peyton Sawyer on One Tree Hill. And she talked about how at the beginning that the fans really didn't like Peyton, which I'm trying to think back at the time if I remember a lot of dislike for Peyton because you know, they talked about the message boards and the forums at the time. Of course, this was before social media and everything. And I would go to the message boards and stuff and just kind of see what people were saying. But I don't remember a lot of dislike for her 
And Sophia and Bethany said the same thing, that they didn't realize that either. And I don't, I never saw that as, because Peyton does come off very rough in the first episode with all the stuff with Lucas, you know, to where there's that kind of conflict there. She almost runs him over with a car in the one scene and then kind of gives him the get out of my way kind of look, you know, and you know, you see that, but for me, I always looked at Peyton. I didn't see like the character as like dislikable. I saw Peyton as, wow, you really have a jerk of a boyfriend, <laughs> you know, and that she was like stuck with this guy that just really wasn't good to her. And, you know, because Nathan Scott was not a very likable character at the beginning. And it's amazing how they evolved that character over the years. And when you watch this pilot again, you're like, man, I forgot how how unlikable Nathan was at the beginning. And I always just felt like it was the tie of her to Nathan that I guess maybe made her somewhat dislikable. I just saw it as, hey, he, she's got a terrible boyfriend and this is how she acts because she's frustrated with him. Is That's kind of how I always took it when I was watching. But then I was also a Hillary fan at that point too. So I don't know if maybe that kind of blurred it a little to where I was familiar with Hillary because I watched her on TRL. I was watching the day where she was out on the street and they brought, they went outside to uh, have some people do a trivia contest or whatever it was. I don't remember. It was, a, it was some kind of contest. I don't know if it was trivia or not. To where they picked like three people out from outside and brought them in to compete to be a, a VJ for a day. To where they were going to get to go to the VMAs, I believe that's right, and interview uh, people there. And it was like a contest winner. And Hillary, I remember as clear as day when they interviewed her the first time. And they brought her up. And she won. And she went and did that. And then it worked into a gig there at TRL. And then that was the start of her career to move her on. And then, of course, she was on One Tree Hill from there. So I was already a Hillary fan and was very aware of her when she came on One Tree Hill. I was like, oh, awesome. Hillary Burton's on One Tree Hill. This is great. So that even, you know, Sophia and Bethany were just not aware of it, that Peyton Sawyer was just this disliked among the fan base. And Hillary tells the story of that, you know, the producers, writers, whatever, came to her and said, look, this is, we're going to have to change, Hill, we're going to have to change Peyton's character a little bit here to where, we're going to have to, because they were aware that she wasn't coming across very well among fans. And they said, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to take Peyton darker to where we show the fans, this is, this is how Peyton got here. This is why Peyton is the way she is and show her background and take it darker to where we can evolve her and then spin her back the other direction to where fans will watch and say, okay, I get it. Yeah, this is this is what's happened to Peyton in her life, and this is why this is why she is the way she is. So that was their plan on how they were going to evolve that character. And they got into a great discussion of how Nathan and Haley were actually planned from the beginning, to which Bethany 
seemed pretty clueless on this. This wasn't something that she was aware of to where Sophia and Hillary understood it to where they had been aware that this was the plan from the beginning to get Nathan and Haley together there in that first season to the point of that they had another actress for that and that the chemistry just was not there for the actress that played that role in the one with, and then with David Lafferty as Nathan, that they just, the chemistry wasn't there. So then they brought in Bethany and that clicked. They felt like that was going to click a lot better. So, but Bethany was very, very unaware that this was a deal to where that was something that was going on. And Hillary actually, they actually talk about on the podcast that they were laughing about, like, there's no way that works. It's like, this is their plan. They're going to put Nathan and Haley together. It's like, there's no way this works. There's no way. No way fans accept it. Where it's like, you got the bad boy and then like and then tutor girl you know that's she's the tutor there at that school you know and it's like there's no way that that works and that fans accept that and i didn't either at first i was like nope i'm not having this i i love haley it's like i'm not having her dating nathan just was not for it didn't like it and i'm sure there were a lot of fans that felt the same way but it worked and it ended up working and just so great call. That was a great call by them. Uh, Sophia talked about the final scene and the love for it that I have. And she talked about just how awesome the scene was with the showdown on the court between Lucas and Nathan. And I loved her description of it, saying it was basically these two brothers being put into a gladiator battle that neither of them chose, but will affect their lives with these high stakes that were up in this showdown on the court of who could win between the two of them. And she talked about saying that both of them are in this spot that is out of their control. They're not, this wasn't, this had nothing to do with them and it's out of their control to where Dan Scott, you know, you have, you have Dan Scott, who is like one of the most unlikable characters of all time on tv <laughs> just one of the biggest villains ever on tv and so fun and he does such a great job uh paul johansson's just so awesome in that role he's just does such a great job but you have dan scott where he has nathan that's his son next in line for the throne there at the high school of course dan scott was the star basketball legendary player for the Tree Hill Ravens. And now you have Nathan next in line for the throne to where he's going to be the one that takes the Scott legacy to the next level to where he's going. He's plans on being better than his dad. And he is primed and Dan is getting him ready for that spot to where he's working him hard, just mentally, physically, everything. And then you have the other son with Lucas who has been completely ignored by Dan the whole time. And him and Nathan have had like no communication because, you know, Dan didn't want anything to do with him. So Lucas is in the middle of this through no doing of his own. And then you also have his mom who has just been mistreated, you know, through the whole thing with, you know, the relationship with Dan in the past. And now you've got them in just this epic showdown 
on the court. And it was just really a great way to bring all that story in the pilot episode to where you see just how different their lives are, but yet that they're tied together through things that were out of their control. I just love the way Sophia described it. I thought it was just really great. And, you know, beyond that, there's just, there's a lot of great discussion on here of just like how they started on the show, how they started into doing TV, meeting each other, getting to know one another, their early memories of hanging out with one another, what they were learning as they went, learning the technical terms of being on the set with Hillary talking about that when she first got on set, this was like completely new to her where she got the role, but she got on the set and they were using technical terms of shooting the show with like the crew. And she was stressing out because she had no clue what they were talking about. She's like, I don't know what these terms mean. And that was something that she was having to learn as she went to with, uh, with getting with this show. And they also talked about like moving to Wilmington and then they moved there like, right in basically the beginning of, well, not the beginning, but right in hurricane season. And they get a hurricane right away. So it's like they're 20 or 21-year-old kids moving into Wilmington, landing on this big successful show. I just love the stories of them talking about how they were just trying to figure this out as they went. And then also learning how popular this show was becoming and how the ratings were going up every week. And they talked about how the original plan actually for this show was that it was going to launch in mid-season. And then suddenly there was a show that was going to launch on the WB in the fall. It got canceled, so they moved One Tree Hill up and put it in the fall spot way earlier than they were planning. And they talked about how they were like the in between of when they were shooting these episodes and when they were airing was like a month. I think they said it was like a month in between. So it's like they were shooting these shows and then they were airing right away. So like that, it, it kind of messed up with like their fan feedback to where they were trying, they just kept having to shoot these shows and trying to learn what the fan feedback is too, to where they can figure out what's working and what's not working So, yeah, this is just a really great podcast, and I'm going to have such a blast doing this One Tree Hill rewatch with them, and I laughed so much. Like I said, it's like hanging out with friends. It's called Drama Queens. Look it up on wherever you get your podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are at the one-month countdown from the Tokyo Olympic Games. I'm pretty pumped about this. I'm a huge Olympics fan. So anytime the Olympics come around, I'm just so excited. And then just so just sad whenever it's over because I get so hooked into it. It's just, just a wave of just constant you know, sports and just good stories and just fun. It's so fun. I always love the Olympics. And of course, we're delayed this year because of we're one year late because of the pandemic. It was supposed to be the 2020 Olympics, which they're still calling it the 2020 Olympics. 
That's what I'm understanding. I didn't really, I guess I just hadn't paid much attention to the fact that they're still calling it the 2020 Olympics. I don't know why they don't just waive it and just call it the 2021 games. And then, you know, it, it'll be a note in history to where it's like, hey, put an asterisk beside it, beside it to where you say, hey, these Olympics were played in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I don't really know why they don't just kind of embrace it and call it the 2021 Olympic Games, but I didn't really pay attention to that until I was watching the Olympic trials the other night, and they were still talking about it being the 2020 Olympics. So, but speaking of the Olympic trials, I love the women's gymnastics. That's my favorite event besides basketball, of course, but I've always been glued to the women's gymnastics Goodness, ever since I knew the Olympics were around. So I'm really excited with, uh, with the team that's going to be going over there to Tokyo. I'm not really familiar with a lot of, and that's one reason I really wanted to watch the Olympic trials because I wanted to make sure I knew about these ladies going into Tokyo. I didn't just want to be turning on the Olympics and like, okay, I'm like trying to throw myself in there and try to make sure I learn about the ones that I'm not really familiar with. Of course, I know Simone Biles. She's just insane great. <laughs> I mean, what can you say about her? She's just monster athletic. Just awesome. Can't wait to see what she does on there. I love the Michaela Skinner story. That was somebody I was really pulling for you know, you see her story. They did such a great job on the Olympic trials of throwing in these video packages, which was perfect for me because, again, I'm trying to make sure I know these athletes and make sure I know their stories and their background stories. And they did such a great job with these video packages of telling you the stories of these athletes and, you know, the commentators filling us in with a lot of the stories as well. And the Michaela Skinner story was just awesome, you know, to where they'd run this great video package over and then you see her finish her routine and, you know, the emotions of she's done everything she can do. And now it's in the hands of, I don't know if you call it the judges, well, not really the judges, the committee, there's the word I'm looking for, the committee on who they're going to select for this team. And, you know, you're just watching her in tears to where she's just emotionally spent and just she's done all she can do and she waits and she got on. So she's going to Tokyo. So very, very cool. Just I'm very excited about this team to see what they can do. And the dominance of women's gymnastics is just just crazy. Like the individual all around gold medal goes back to Carly Patterson in 2004. That's just, that's crazy. Just crazy. The only thing, women's gymnastics, well, it's not just women's, it's all gymnastics. But it's so hard to try to figure out the scoring. I don't know if I'm one of the, I know I'm not one of the few people, I can't be one of the few people that just has a hard time figuring out I say the new scoring, it's not new, because I mean, they've been doing this for years, they've evolved it and changed it, but ever since they've went to this different scoring system to where it's like, here's your max difficulty level, here's what they could score here, this person can't even touch this person because their difficulty level's 
so much higher than the other person's routine. Just that kind of thing. It's so hard to kind of embrace to where as just a viewer. And this is coming from somebody that has watched this for a very long time. Because I remember many a days of arguing in front of the TV of like, are you kidding me? That's the score you're giving? That's no way. That was a nine or that was a nine seven or, you know, or whatever. And it's, they've just had to evolve it so much. And of course we have Athens to thank for this because this, because of all the crazy controversy there to where they had all the trouble and then they had to change how they did all the scoring and everything. And ever since then, it's been completely confusing. But like I said, even me as somebody that's a fan and follows this, I really have to rely on the commentators to give me the information, you know, of what what these scores can be and, you know, their information and their background of what's going on. So it's just, it's really made it so difficult. I can't be the only person that thinks that. But the coverage itself of the Olympic trials just looked phenomenal. It was, it just looked like you were watching the Olympics. Like they were already into their like peak Olympic coverage. Uh, I love the commentary. The look of the show looked great. The production, like I said, I loved all the video packages. Lori Hernandez, I thought she was great on commentary where she was doing doing analysis down on the floor where they would go to her every so often. And I just thought she she added a lot, especially as, you know, a former Olympian. And I just thought she was great on there. I hope she's going to Tokyo to continue the coverage. I really hope they're sending her over there, you know, if that's something she wants to do. So yeah, Tokyo Olympics are very close. We're about a month away, looking very forward to it. Of course, the other story of the sports world, for me anyway, NBA playoffs have been going on, and it's just been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this year's playoffs. I've just been glued, watching it pretty much every night, unless it's just a game that's a blowout or something, or a result that I'm not liking and I don't care to watch it or something but what I've really enjoyed about this NBA playoffs is this is allowing the young stars to shine and I know that there has been so much talk and this happens every single year usually it's about the finals but this year it was about like the early playoffs but every year you hear like people say boy, you know, they got to want the Lakers in the NBA Finals. You know, you know they want that Brooklyn-LA matchup where it's LeBron versus Kevin Durant. And it's like, yeah, I get that because it's that's who the people know. It's who fans know. They're the superstars. They're going to draw the ratings. But my thing is, and what I've loved about this playoffs, is you have to build your next superstars of this league and let them showcase on the big stage. I mean, it's we see what these players do on a regular basis during the regular season, and we know how good they are. But we need them on that playoff stage to where they're going to have a lot of eyes on them. Because it's like with the, the playoffs when they started with the wild card stuff, with trying to... the play-in tournament and all that, where... You know, LeBron got in and the Lakers got in, but they were eliminated in the first round. But there were so many people that were, and they almost didn't make it, 
But there were so many people that were just like, man, the league's got to be disappointed. They're not going to have Steph Curry. You know, instead they're going to have Memphis instead of Steph Curry and Golden State. And I get that because Steph Curry's a household name and people love Steph Curry. But John Morant with Memphis, that's just such a fun young team. And John Morant is going to be a force in this league. I mean... That first round series, even though they got beaten in just the play-in tournament, John Morant got on a lot of people's radars with how good he is. And it's this is what we need, is we need these players to continue to grow and showcase because LeBron, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, you know, a lot, James Harden, a lot of these, Chris Paul, a lot of these players in the league, they're going to retire. And it's like you can't just keep saying, okay, well, I want LeBron in the finals every year or Kevin Durant, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a good, of course, if you're a fan of those, you want them in there. Obviously, I understand. <laughs> but it's a good opportunity for these younger players because these are the next generation of the NBA to where we need to see them on the big stage. Let them get that exposure and let people that don't see them look at them and say, man, they're really good. These guys are really good. Like your Devin Bookers, your Ja Morants, your Damian Lillards, your Trey Youngs, and you know, just on and on and on. I mean, it's like Damian Lillard, even though they got knocked out in the first round, and I really want to see Damian Lillard succeed because that guy is just crazy good. I mean, if you watched that game in the first round to where he forced overtime with a three-pointer and then forced it a, another overtime from basically the same spot, and I forget how many points he had in that game. Did he have 60 points? I don't remember what it was. It's been been a month. <laughs> it's been a month with my 2021 brain. But, yeah, Damian Lillard, I mean, this guy's going to be a force in this league, and I just really hope he can get some help around him to – to win and get to that next level. But Devin Booker, that guy, Phoenix Suns, that team has been so fun to watch. And he has just been a star in these playoffs. And he's so young. And this has been such a great opportunity for fans to see him with this run. And it's going to make him more familiar. And like Ja Morant, same thing. Trey Young has had an amazing playoffs with Atlanta to where... You know, they went through that Madison Square Garden showdown with the Knicks. And I watched Trey Young against that New York Knicks crowd. And I was having Reggie Miller flashbacks to where I thought this is going to be great for the league to where the Garden has a villain again. And that's going to be great for the league to where you've got Madison Square Garden and those passionate New York Knicks fans. And they've got a villain in Trey Young and Trey Young embracing being the villain and wanting to go in there and be the villain. And I just thought this is great for the league. This is great for the league to have another rivalry like what we had in the nineties with Reggie Miller and the New York Knicks. And when he would go into the garden, you know, it's just great stuff. And, you know, back to the Phoenix Suns, They've just had an incredible run. It's been fun. I really love that starting five that they've got. I love DeAndre Ayton. I think that guy, like that's a guy I haven't been 
really familiar with. I mean, I knew of him and watched him in a regular season, but watching him through this playoffs, you know, he's really become a household name for me. It's just, I like that guy. He's just seems like such a good, like laid back, just fun guy. You know, I watch him in these interviews and everything and just seems like he just enjoys what he does, you know, and just, I enjoyed like the, the fun, like with him and Jokic, where they just seemed like they just talked a lot of, I wouldn't even, it's not even trash really. It was just like, they just, just talked and had fun with one another on a court. So I like that guy a lot. He's been, he's had some big moments in these playoffs and I really feel like, I mean, unfortunately we've had a lot of injuries. That's been a major problem in this playoffs. It's almost to the point where it's like who can survive and get through these playoffs with, you know, being not being injured or being less injured <laughs> is going to be the result of these playoffs. But that's what I've just loved about these playoffs is this has put such a spotlight on a lot of these players and a lot of these teams. I mean, who had this final four <laughs> of, of Milwaukee, Atlanta, Phoenix, and the Clippers? Like, who would have thought? You know, of course, there's some of those teams, you know, that are great, obviously, but I can't, most everybody had Brooklyn and the Lakers, you know, and I love that there's other teams in here. There's a lot of, all four of these teams have either not won or they haven't won in a very long time. And this is going to be, and, and I say not won in a long time, they haven't won in their current city. I'm talking about the Hawks, you know, they haven't won in Atlanta. So... I love it. I love these playoffs. I think this is going to be on a superstar stage going forward. This playoffs has been such a good thing for this league. You know, coming off the bubble playoffs that we had last year, it's just great to hear the crowd roar. And when these big moments happen, just seeing the reaction in the building and that's one thing that I noticed right away when the playoffs started or even back to like the play-in tournament when they were starting to let fans start to attend and they were keeping it at this low capacity and then this higher capacity is just hearing the crowd again and letting them energize off these big playoff moments that we've had has just really made made it awesome to where it's like man I miss this you know even last year the playoffs happened but it was in a bubble and it was quiet you know it's so this year has just felt more like normal with the playoffs and it's been a lot of fun I've been glued really excited to see who gets to the NBA finals who takes the championship Another season of Big Brother is upon us. We are six days away from the premiere of Big Brother 23 on CBS. Wednesday, July 7th at 7 p.m. Central Time is the time and date for the premiere. Let's go. Well, today, first of all, we ended up with a cast. We now have a cast. But first off, I'm going to go over some of the notes that have been coming out through Various interviews that we've had with uh, Allison Grodner, a lot of the producers, and just a lot of the details that are coming out about 
this season. Of course, the first question pretty much everybody always has is, is there going to be any returning players? The answer is no. All 16 going to be newbies. So we're also going to have night one feeds. Live feeds will be on on night one. This is a major deal for all of us fans because typically what usually happens with Big Brother in years past is that we get, you know, the show premieres, they start recording it, and then a week of Big Brother basically happens and then we get the premiere, and we're like a week behind. So when the live feeds launch on premiere night, the game's already been going for a week. So the live feeds come on, and the only thing we've seen is the premiere, which is very little details. And then we're having to try to figure out who's HOH, who won the veto, who's up on the block. And we're having to piece all this together. Now, when... BBOTT was the first time back in 2016 to where we got to see a live uh, reveal. You know, we got to see them walk into the house on the live feeds and everything for the first time. And we got to see these relationships build from the very beginning. So, and that's one thing we always have a lot of trouble with with uh, jumping into live feeds late too is we're trying to figure out the relationships who who's aligned with who who doesn't like who we got to see that live now last year with bb22 we also for the first time as far as the tv like cbs version we got to have live feeds from the get-go on premiere night and we also got to see them come into the house live so that was a major deal. So I know with that going on last year, we wanted this to continue. So we are going to get a live move-in on the show on the premiere night. And we're going to have night one live feeds when it gets done airing on the West Coast. We will have live feeds. So we're going to have a team twist. We're going to have four teams of four players. And we'll have four captains. And they are going to pick the teams. The HOH team is going to be safe, and then we'll have some other competitions that will involve like a wild card, and there's going to be a lot going on on this premiere night, so they're going to explain a lot of this to us. The house theme is going to be like a beach club meets casino is how it's being described. We still haven't seen the house yet. I'm assuming maybe tomorrow we might get a house video. So we also haven't gotten any interviews. We haven't seen video of the new house guests yet. Uh, when uh, Allison Grodner was asked about a possible triple eviction because it was so popular with her last year that she loved it and she talked about that she would love to do another one this year. Of course, Big Brother Canada is uh, big on triple evictions. That's where <laughs> the triple evictions really got rolling. And also would like to point out that they did say in interviews that they did watch Big Brother Canada 9 this year. So that is a very good thing. So hopefully that show... And how great it was this year gives them ideas and that they see maybe they can take some things from that and improve BBUS. So that would be good. As far as safety and like health guidelines, it's going to be with COVID. Uh, it was said it was going to be basically the same as it was last year for the most part. 
there's going to be no studio audience to start. And they said there could be later in the year, you know, seeing how things go with protocols and how things evolve, you know, as 2021 goes about and goes through the summer. And another twist that there's going to be a lot of focus on a risk versus reward twist to where they're going to put a reward out there to some of these house guests to see if they take it, but there's going to be risk with it. So that's kind of some of the major like twist things that have been coming out. So now let's jump into the house guest that was announced today <laughs> and no Taryn Armstrong on this cast from RHAP. That rumor I don't know if we just had such a slow Big Brother preseason going or what, but and that everybody was just looking for a rumor to fly. And it was so funny. It just got to the point where it's like maybe Taryn is gonna be on this season. This that would be amazing, you know, and uh but it ended up not being true. Of course he posted the tweet that he was moving to the west coast and everybody's going he's not really moving well he might be moving but he's moving to the big brother house and he's never why is he not posting anything online why is he not on twitch you know and uh taryn was on with rob today and they were doing their preseason. and taryn's like i don't really ever post much on social media when big brother season is not going so i think it was just such a slow season Preseason, I think people were just looking for things to run with, but it would have been really awesome to have Taryn on there. Definitely would have been cheering for him on there. So let's jump into the cast that is on there. I'm going to be pulling up the CBS profiles here, and of course, uh, Us Weekly. They've got they've got good coverage of this too. So let's start with Christian. He is 23 from Harwinton, Connecticut. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is a general contractor assistant. When asked three words to describe himself, he said charming, friendly, and determined. His favorite activities, disc golf, basketball, fishing, and flirting, which, yeah, a lot of this I'm seeing in his profile. He's, he's going to be like the showman's. Uh, hope that probably Big Brother is wanting here because they love their showmances on Big Brother. When he was asked for his favorite houseguest duos of years past, he had Zach and Frankie from BB16. And it's so funny. It's like you see so much Big Brother 16 in this because when they get sequestered, they are given past seasons that they can watch. And the one that CBS has given since that season aired is one of the options is Big Brother 16. And so many people watch that. So, of course, I don't know. I don't know if uh, how much of a fan he is. I'm kind of reading over some of this other stuff. And I know what he said in some things. But when he was asked about living inside the big brother house, he said, making new friends for life, competing in competitions. But one thing he talked about as far as like, what's his fandom. He was asked about his favorite past moment on big brother. He said, Jeff using his coup d'etat power to backdoor Jessica. There wasn't a Jessica. There was a Jesse. So I don't know if that was, and Rob and Taryn talked about that a little today too, where it's like, I don't know if that's if that was a typo 
or if he said Jessica, but so I don't know, but there was no Jessica on that season. There was Jesse. So when asked what his strategy was for winning the game, he said, be himself and because I'm a joy, but I would like to appear fun and clueless as to not raise any flags, align myself with more people and slip up as a physical threat when I need to schmooze the house. So fun facts about himself. He said he can ride a unicycle. My pupils are two different sizes. I can do multiple flips. I've only had one girlfriend. My favorite food is chicken and waffles. And his life motto, sometimes your ice pop falls on a penny. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I don't know if it just went over my head. Is that inappropriate? I hope that's not an inappropriate line, is it? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that says about me either. I may not be very smart. So let's uh, jump right ahead. I don't It seems like he's going to be like their hope for, what's the, what's the name? Love Island. Where uh, I, I, can't, I can't. I can't handle the Big Brother Love Island crossover that they desperately want to do. Let's move on to Xavier. He is 27 from Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's his hometown, current city, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He is an attorney. He definitely comes across as a fan. Well, he definitely shows that he's a fan. He knows a lot of the happenings. I like that he mentions... Some really old, old school Big Brother stuff here. That gives me a lot of hope for him. As, you know, he talks about what's his favorite house guest duo. And he names Chilltown. And then he also says, rest in peace, Chilltown. Which, if you haven't been following that, you know what that story is. That's been a wild story with the Chilltown drama uh, in recent months or years or whatever. And he's also got closely followed by the Hitmen. So, as far as his duos. And one thing he talks about, what was some of his favorite past moments on Big Brother. And this is where it gives me hope that he is an old schooler here. Brittany Haynes, goodbye, message to Boogie after his eviction on BB14. Which was epic. So awesome. And I love Brittany Haynes. She is one of my favorite house guests ever. I, I love Brittany Haynes. And that was a great moment. Her goodbye message for him was fantastic. And his other one that shows that he's an old schooler, Danielle Reyes' impressions of her BB3 house guests, which also led to what ended up changing a lot of the dynamic of Big Brother to where then they started sequestering the jury because... Danielle's antics in the DR cost her the game. She played a great game, but all the house guests went home and they saw her mocking them and everything in the DR and some of the things that she was said that she was saying. So when they came back to vote, they were a very bitter jury. And then after that, that's when they started sequestering the jury after that to where that wouldn't happen. So that leaves me a lot of hope for him that he's going to be an old schooler. What is your strategy for winning the game? From a competition standpoint, only win when I have to. Socially make genuine connections and friendships with each of the house guests. Reiterate that we are playing a game and avoid bringing personal matters into game decisions. Adapt to the twist of the game as they come and enjoy playing Big Brother the way it was meant to be played. I like that a lot. 
life motto, make your own luck. Fun facts about himself, he says he's a Taurus, he has 10 siblings, he was born with a severe club foot and had to learn to walk in a cast. He completed a cross-cultural study abroad in England and Scotland. He is not a fan of coffee, said he actually made it through all of law school without even so much as a single shot of espresso. I like Xavier. I like him. I, uh, yeah. Three words to describe himself. He said personable, confident, and fun-loving. Favorite activities, playing basketball, spending time with family and friends, exercising, kayaking, a lot of outdoorsy kind of stuff. I like Xavier. Uh, he gives off a very good first impression. Let's jump into Derek F., age 29, from Philadelphia. He is a safety officer. When asked three words to describe him, he said loud, outgoing, and assertive. His favorite activities, going out, dancing at the bars, CrossFit, binge-watching TV. When he was asked favorite house guest duo, he had Derek and Cody from BB16. So when, uh, what do you think would be the most difficult part about living inside the Big Brother house, not being able to use his phone, which, yeah. This here tells me that this he's been around for a while, and he's Big Brother big brother fandom here where he talked about what is his favorite past moment on big brother he brings up the moment when dick and jen got into their heated argument on bb8 and she threw out all his cigarettes so goodness what was bb8 what was that 2007 2000 yeah i think that's right 2007 was bb8 so yeah that tells you that so he's 29. Yeah, I mean, he could have been watching by then. He could have been a youngster there watching either that or he went back and watched. Uh, he's been binging some episodes, some seasons. And I have looked at some of these where they go back so far back. I look and look at their age. And I think, well, they could have been watching there or they may have just been such a fan. that They went back and binge watched all the other seasons. So, strategy for winning the game. He said, try to get to know everyone on a personal level so they never put me on a block. It's a good strategy. I will get everyone to do my dirty work because I am good at being a leader. Life motto, at the end of the day, I see through it all. Fun facts about himself. Again, Derek F. Stands for Derek Frazier. He is the son of Smokin' Joe Frazier, the legendary boxer. So I wonder if he reveals that or not. That will be something to see, you know, whether he'll keep that to himself, because that could put a bigger target on him, or it could make people more interested in him, you know, to where they're like, oh, we want to hear these stories, you know, and I don't know. That can that can always go two different ways. Some more fun facts about himself. He said he can fall asleep sitting up or standing. I can see a Big Brother segment on that. That seems right up their alley that they would love to do a standalone segment on that. Says he can lift a lot of weight. He can bench 315 pounds, deadlift 500 pounds, and back squat 520 pounds. Said he went to military boarding school for high school. He went viral on TikTok once for a video that he didn't post. And he knows how to box in a boxing ring. So that is Derek. That is going to be an interesting person to follow on here. 
curious to see how he does in this game. So let's move on to Hannah. She is 21 from Chicago, a graduate student. She said three words to describe her was calculated, composed, and versatile. Her favorite activities, dancing. We have a lot of dancers on this season, by the way. Fashion, styling, traveling, and binging. The Real Housewives show. Favorite Big Brother house guest duos. She said, showmances can be cute, but my favorite house guest duos are those who became best friends in the Big Brother house. My favorite, favorite, favorite friendship duo of all time is Davon and Bailey because of how genuine, sincere, and grounded their relationship was. You could really tell they had each other's backs. And she also likes Paul and Victor from BB-18 because of the way they beasted their way through competitions together. So, favorite past moment of Big Brother. She has... Dan's funeral here to where she's got Dan Giesling getting Danielle to use the veto on him and then blindsiding Shane, cutting him right before finale night. Oh, that wasn't Dan's funeral. Uh, so, but she's in that season of that. And Vanessa blindsiding Austin and evicting him from the house barefoot was pretty iconic. That was very iconic. Austin was so blindsided that he didn't even have his shoes on in that surprise eviction. He had to walk out barefoot. That was an amazing moment. Of course, Austin now is on AEW Wrestling. If you're not familiar with that, All Elite Wrestling that airs on TNT, Austin is now on that show. Uh, she said, favorite past moment outside the Big Brother house was Davon winning America's favorite house guest making her the first black winner of the award. That was a very awesome moment. Uh, strategy for winning the game, she said, cultivating personal relationships with everyone in the house, saying she doesn't have to be everyone's best friend and doesn't want to be, but she fully intends on learning about everyone's strengths and weaknesses. Doesn't want to play the game on a week-to-week -week basis, but instead wants to ensure that every move she makes competitions that she wins use that as an opportunity to set herself up for like two or three weeks of safety so it sounds like she's going to be kind of bargaining you know to where making deals there's a word i'm looking for she's gonna be looking to make some deals in that house life motto never give up all your information which is a great motto for big brother Let's see fun facts about herself she said she had always enjoyed school especially science and math and she graduated from university at 19 years old she's a competitive hip-hop dancer she can hold her breath for over 90 seconds that's a joey thing from friends <laughs> there was an episode with that reminded me of that um random thinking she said she used to be a personal stylist, and her parents are from South Africa and India. Let's move on to Whitney, age 30, from Portland, Oregon. She is a makeup artist. She describes herself as resilient, quirky, and outgoing. Favorite activities, anything adventurous, traveling with her sons, working on business. Uh, favorite house guest duos. She has Jordan and Jeff. She has them. She has Jessica and Cody. So she is definitely into, she even mentions Brinchel here. So she's definitely into the showmances as uh, her favorite duos of Big Brother. So she may be another showmance person here. We'll have to keep an eye on her. Uh, most difficult part about living inside the Big Brother house, of course, being away from her children. 
and adapting to so many different personalities and sharing only one bathroom. Favorite past moment of Big Brother, she said watching Derek's game in BB-16 and also Dan's funeral. Stan's funeral is always going to get a lot of answers. That's one of the biggest moments of Big Brother ever. Strategy for winning the game. She said, each season and cast is so different that it makes it hard to go in with an exact game plan. You really get to know the other house guests to know what will work. I do know that I'm going to go into the house as a strong competitor while hopefully not making too many ripples. I also want to uphold my values and create genuine friendships, but winning this game for myself and my, for my children is my top priority. Her life motto, why not? I like that. Why not take the risk? Try that thing. Talk to that person. Life is too short to live with regret for not doing that thing you're considering doing. There's only one way to find out what you're truly capable of, so why not? Like that. Like that a lot. Fun facts about Whitney. She was named after Whitney Houston, but says she can't sing in real life. Her company was nominated for the Best in Oregon Award only three years after she started. She said she's an excellent matchmaker and even tried getting the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus to meet when she was seven. <laughs> said she can wiggle her nose like a bunny, and she developed her own, ooh, Tillamook, Tillamook ice cream flavor that you can actually buy in stores. Keep an eye out for white chocolate raspberry. Hopefully I pronounced that word right. Travis Long, age 22, currently from Austin, Texas, no, hometown Austin, Texas, current city, Honolulu, Hawaii. He is a tech sales consultant. Three words to describe Travis, rambunctious, curious, strong-willed. When naming his favorite Big Brother house guest duo, he said Brett and Winston. Not exactly a power duo in Big Brother history. I don't know of many people that would have named Brett and Winston. They were, they were fine as a duo, but I don't know. Okay. So... What are you most excited about living inside the Big Brother house? He said, pulling pranks, swapping the blame to other people to create chaos. Oh, yeah, this guy's so going to get kicked out pretty early. <laughs> uh, let's see. What is your favorite moment? Man, another Brett thing. What is your favorite moment on Big Brother? Brett making a last-ditch effort to stay on the show, and he lied on the block and said Rockstar was going to flip and not vote for him to be evicted. That was a pretty big moment there of that season. A lot of drama there. Strategy for winning the game. Forming close one-on-one -on -one relationships with people behind the scenes. Limiting, limiting yet utilizing my charismatic personality to connect with people, but also not going too over the top of my friendliness and openness so I can cruise a bit under the table in group settings, which completely goes against what he said he was most excited about, which is playing pranks and putting blame on others. This guy's not going to last. <laughs> but of course, the famous last words. Let's flash forward uh, four months when I'm talking about him in the finale or something, which could very well happen because Big Brother is a crazy game and you never know what's going to happen. So strategy, let's see. Yeah, that's what I went over. His life motto, so many brilliant things lay on the other side of discomfort like that too. That's a good life motto. 
Uh, fun facts about himself. He is a published author with books sold on Amazon. This was looked up. It apparently is a kid's book. For what I've understood, it is a kid's book that he wrote. He said he is says he is almost fluent in Spanish from growing up playing soccer and living in Costa Rica. He said he gained almost 40 pounds one summer. Started multiple businesses since high school and has been sued by massive titans of industry. Wow. Uh, absolute prank master. Said he pranks his roommates, friends, and family frequently. This has got to be like another James here. Uh, says he free dives and spears fish for his dinner multiple times a week. Definitely Hawaiian, man. It's like this guy is like living the Hawaiian life. It's just it's what you vision out there in Hawaii is people doing that kind of thing out there in that water in Hawaii on that island. Uh, has a f wall full of sticky notes of quotes and nuggets of knowledge from friends and family and people I've met in my room. I like that. That's a that's a cool idea. That's a very cool idea. Let's move on to Tiffany. She is 40 from Detroit, Michigan. She is a, oh my goodness, phlebotomist. Yes, I believe that's how that's pronounced. I believe that's, that's right. She's going to turn 41 in about a month, a little over a month on August 5th. Three words to describe Tiffany, kind, funny, and outgoing. Her favorite Big Brother duos was the Hitmen with Cody and Derek. So that's another Big Brother 16 reference there. Uh, most excited about living inside the Big Brother house, being able to sleep in the HOH room. That would be very cool. Uh, favorite past moment, again, Dan's funeral from Big Brother 14. Yes, Big Brother 14, Dan's funeral. Had to try to get my brain to work there for a second. Strategy for winning the game. My strategy for winning the game is to learn as much as I can about everyone else and keep my mouth shut. Life motto, make it happen. Fun facts. She is obsessed with horoscopes, loves cats. Favorite color is Tiffany Blue. Does voice impersonations of her family and friends. And utilizes her alter ego. wonder if that means she's going to have like a... So this is going to be another Alex moment from Big Brother 16 <laughs> to where she has like the alter ego suddenly come out one night. She's like in complete character. Goes into another character. So let's keep an eye on that. Sarah, 27, from hometown of Boiling Springs, South Carolina, currently in Fort Myers, Florida. She is a forensic scientist. She is actually going to turn 28 Four days after Tiffany. So we'll have two birthdays in the house. Uh, four days apart, assuming that they're both in there. We'll have to see when we get to August. That's still a long way off and a lot of gameplay left. Three words to describe Sarah is sweet, quirky, and self-driven. Favorite activities, partying with friends, shopping, uh, sewing, singing. Favorite house guest duo Frank and Bridget. That's such a bizarre duo to name. Because Frank and Bridget didn't have much of a run. I, I didn't really think they were that much of a duo. It was kind of more of a friendship. than Which, I mean, it's, it's just those who became best friends in the Big Brother house or had a showman. So what's your favorite duos? 
Frank and Bridget. I don't know. That's kind of a unexpected answer. And then she's got Brittany and Ian. Yeah, which is interesting. That's all from the same season. So she clearly loved that season, which I did too. I loved that season as well. Um, what are you most looking forward to? What are you most excited about? Really looking forward to interacting with the cameras and venting in the diary room. She might be a yeller. We always have a yeller in the DR every year. She might be our yeller. Um, let's see. Oh, what is the most thing you will be the most difficult? Let me try that again. What do you think will be the most difficult part about living inside the Big Brother house? And she mentions two things that are, yes, very true. The really cold house and the ant problem. The ants in the Big Brother house are undefeated. Every year, they win Big Brother every year, and they seemingly show up quicker every year. Every year, the ants show up and wreak havoc, especially in the kitchen. So, yeah, and then, of course, yes, the Big Brother house is notoriously known for being really cold. Like, they freeze in that house at times. Uh, favorite past moment? Anything Zach Rance did on Big Brother 16. So she is a Zach Rance fan. Strategy. I plan to float. I want to make everyone around me feel at ease and convince them I'm a non-threatening, loyal person once they realize I'm only playing for myself. Hopefully it'll be too late to stop me. So she is going to be a floater. We're going to see what kind of floater she is. What kind of... Is she... Like, don't do anything kind of floater. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. Her life motto, she says, life is chaotic and mostly out of your control, so just do your best. Let's see. Fun facts. She had a severe speech impediment and was unable to communicate clearly until she was seven years old. Wow. Says she is a horrendous cook. As a chemist, I'm pretty ashamed that I can't figure it out. Even if I follow a recipe, somehow it always turns out wrong. She has a crippling phobia of moths and butterflies. I despise them. It would kill them off if I could, regardless of the effects on the ecosystem. This is, I'm having flashbacks of Nicole Anthony and her fear of birds. And, uh, yeah. So that's that's going to be a segment on this season of Big Brother. They will do something with the moths and butterflies thing. I'm also having flashbacks of Victoria and her bird story of when the bird tried to... She talked about when she was a baby and a bird tried to take off with her. <laughs> if you've never seen that, look. I don't know if that's on YouTube, but look up BB-16 and Victoria Bird. That, that might get you in the ballpark of hearing her tell that story. It was fantastic. I laughed so hard. So she said she's also somebody that really likes to cosplay. And despite being a forensic chemist, she has never seen Dexter or Breaking Bad. So that is Sarah. Let's move on to Kyland. He is 29. Another one that's going to have a birthday in the Big Brother house very quickly. He's going to turn 30. On July 13th, he is from Venice Beach, California. He's an account executive. Three words to describe him. Optimistic, dynamic, engaging. He is a huge movie person. Loves watching him in the theater. Big, big movie person. 
so he's also into rock climbing, cliff diving, plane flying, car racetrack driving. He does a little bit of everything, axe throwing, a lot of stuff here. Favorite house guest duo, another one for the hitmen. He's got Derek and Cody. And also he said, although personally he's not a fan of Cody from BB-19, he did love the showmance with him and Jessica to the point where he was excited to see him win his way back in to reunite with her, even if only for a short time. He also loved Tyler and Angela with their showmance from BB-20. And... Oh, he called it double duos, because he also had the duo Tyler and Casey as well. So... Let's see what else we got here. Favorite past moment. Another one for Dan's funeral. That was another thing there. Strategy for winning the game. My strategy is to combine the subtle influence of Derek with Cody's charm, Dan's strategic thinking, and hold back on showing how good I am at competitions until I have to win. So, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that's if you can pull that off, that's that's some good ones to pull your uh, <laughs> pull your traits from for sure. Life motto: He's got three. Gratitude is everything. Destiny is obligated by universal law to concede to the demands of unwavering faith. Being realistic is the most commonly traveled route to mediocrity. See fun facts about himself. He's done two fire walks across coals, embers heated to more than 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. He has read all the Twilight books, started in high school to have conversations with some senior girls who loved them, but finished them all because I got hooked. <laughs> so he has four sisters, went to skydiving school. He says, I'm pretty sure I'm a Jedi, and any day I will be able to move objects using the Force. My favorite food is popcorn. He is definitely a movie person. I use a fake police badge to skip all the lines at Comic-Con since it's the only place where you can legally pretend to be a cop. I have seen every Best Picture Oscar film of the last 20 years. I work for an app company that helps students find and win scholarships and other funds to help pay for their education. Brandon Frenchy French. Age 34, a farmer from Clarksville, Tennessee. Not too far from here. So, three words to describe him. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Compassionate and exuberant. Uh, let's see. Favorite house guest duos. Definitely Brittany Haynes and Rachel's hair extensions. There's a Big Brother 12 reference, if I've ever seen one. This guy's a fan. I've heard a lot of uh, feedback on him already online. He's clearly, he's a super fan it, from everything we can tell. So, uh, duh, duh, duh. most excited about living. What's What are you most excited about living inside the Big Brother house? Uh, living out my dream of being here. Learned life is way too short with the passing of his son. So just being able to live out his dream. He's here to win and not to get famous. I like that because there's, Definitely some house guests in the past that are clearly there for Instagram followers and have clearly said that in the past. So anytime I get somebody that's there to win and is not there just to get followers, that's a big plus. I like it. Favorite past moment, Dan's funeral. I said it was on <laughs> Dan's funeral on my daughter's birthday, which was legendary. 
That's a rock star reference there. How dare you do this on my daughter's birthday? So strategy for winning the game, building relationships with everyone, not just your alliance. That's good. Yeah, you can't. you got to branch out. Being a farmer, no two days are the same. You never know what to expect. I always have to evolve and change game plans on a daily basis, and I have got really good at it. Set strategies on overrated and crumble. Let's try that again. Set strategies are overrated and crumble, so my lifestyle fits perfect with Big Brother House. His life motto, you will always go through rocky times, but together we can crush those rocks into fine sand and create our own paradise. So, oh, that's so sad. What would you take into the house and why? A picture of my son who passed away because it motivates me like no other. This is going to be somebody we're going to want to root for here. Just based off what I'm seeing in this profile. It's, uh, man, this guy's had a rough go. Fun facts. At 13, he won the NFL National Punt, Pass, and Kick Competition. They had, it says, we have a two-time national grand, grand National Champion show bull that lives better than most humans. He is a proud member of the NAACP. He is prior military. And he said, the only thing that I'm scared of in life is our devil rooster. <laughs> so, let's move on to Derek X. 24, lives in New York City. He is a startup founder, describes himself as funny, logical, and thoughtful. Favorite house guest duos, he has Dr. Will and Mike, Chilltown. Uh, let's see, most, what are you most excited about? Meeting interesting people from across the country. Uh, what was your favorite past moment on Big Brother? Dan's, Dan's funeral, season 14. That moment was flawless gameplay that leveraged both emotional and logical strategy. Uh, what is his strategy for winning the game? Build relationships with everyone in the house and slowly turn friendships into alliances and then layer unassailable logical reasoning to influence people's decisions. His life motto, if you laugh at yourself first, then everyone is just laughing with you. Fun facts about himself. He said he rented a city bike to compete in a triathlon in college and then crashed the bike. He was stung by a jellyfish in Thailand and then was later forced to eat the jellyfish. Wow. One of two Asian guys in his high school graduating class, he started a company that ships meal kits by food influencers across the U.S., took hip-hop dance classes in New York. We have a lot of dancers. Here's another dancer, Christy, from North Hollywood, California, age 27, professional dancer. Three words to describe herself, determined, energetic, and passionate. Uh, favorite activities, dancing, teaching dance, traveling, going to the beach, cooking vegan food. Uh, favorite duos from the past, another Derek and Cody from Big Brother 16. Loved how loyal they were to each other. Uh, see, bu -bu -bu -bu. what is your favorite moment from past Big Brother? Said she, who's your favorite? Yeah, what is your favorite past moment on Big Brother? She said she loved Haley, and although maybe it wasn't her best game move, it said a lot about her character when she was honest to Bailey about being the hacker. I thought that was mature, loyal, and respectable. If we were on the same season, we'd totally be friends. That was a moment I loved Haley. She was my favorite on that season. Oh, it was such a frustrating... <laughs> it was such a frustrating day, because Haley... 
she was in such a good spot. And when she and then her conscience got a hold of her and she had to reveal that and it messed her up. She never recovered. That messed her all up. If she just would have done the hacker thing, not let it out, not admitted to it, she would have been in such better shape. Oh, it's frustrating for all of us, especially that we're Haley fans. We were all just venting at the TV like, Haley, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. Like, come on, girl. And all of us on Twitter were just like, no, Haley, no. <laughs> what are you doing? Her conscience got a hold of her. I like Haley. She's one of my favorites. She was my favorite of that season. Life motto, when there's a will, there's a way, baby. Uh, fun fact. Fun facts about herself. She says she has been vegan for three and a half years and pescatarian for ten. I'm familiar with that word. I'm going to learn something with her. I'm going to learn some things. Uh, went to Penn State University and graduated early. She has 11 piercings and five of them she did by herself. Woo! Uh, high school and high school, she, was, she said, I made my basketball team learn and perform a dance at our own halftimes. We were called the two-in-one. She started her own dance company called Diva Dance out of her parents' basement when she was 15. Let's move on to Brittany. Age 24, from Niagara Falls, New York. She is a kindergarten teacher. Three words to describe her. Driven, compassionate, and loving. Favorite activities, a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Tennis, softball, dancing, karate. Uh, spending time with her family and friends. Fitness activities, playing Mario Kart, making TikToks. Favorite house guest duos. Derek and Cody, BB16. Tyler and Angela and Tyler and Casey, the double duo thing again. Davon and Bailey from last season. Paul and Victor from BB18. Things she's most excited about inside the Big Brother house, the competitions. She's excited to play the competitions. Uh, see, favorite Big Brother moment. Dan gets Danielle to use the veto on him during the Final Four eviction ceremony and blindsides Danielle and gets Shane. So Ian stays in the house. Ian wins the final HOH. Iconic, is what she said, and then goes on to beat Dan 6-1. to Absolutely insane. It was that. It's quite the moment. That was, that was wild. And let's see. And also said she cannot, as a fan, I also cannot pick the reset button. In BB-16, Frankie was on a roll, and then the entire week gets reset. He had to redo the entire week, and he knew that if he didn't win the veto after being evicted, he would be gone. And she said it was such a good twist on the week. Life motto, never give up, never back down from a challenge, never quit, never stop believing in yourself and all you can accomplish. So fun facts about herself. 2019, she won both the Niagara Medal for voted on by members of the senior classes, the individual who represents Niagara University the best and the senior medal. Valedictorian, perfect 4.0 GPA across two degrees at Niagara University. She was the first individual in the 162-year history of the university to win both awards in the same year. Wow, that's impressive. Brent, age 28, from Cranston, Rhode Island. He is a flight attendant, describes himself as adventurous, passionate, and confident. Loves to do sports, working out, stock trading, hiking, fishing, and traveling. Favorite duos, Tyler and Angela from BB20. 
So you love that they were a power couple inside and outside the house. Showman's goals. He may be somebody looking for a showman's here <laughs> based on that. Um, where are you most excited about living inside the house? Meeting all new castmates. I'm a social butterfly. Better watch with the butterflies there in the house, buddy. Based on what we're seeing, better be... Better not bring any real butterflies with you. You'll be freaking another house guest out there. <laughs> so, favorite past moment from Big Brother City. Couldn't say a favorite moment, but more of a guilty pleasure. Just truly enjoys watching the faces of those who rightfully get backdoored. The reaction is just so genuine, regardless of being on camera. I feel it's one of the few times where contestants fight their honest emotional nature because of it being so sudden and gives no time to emotionally prepare. So it's a true color show, both literally and figuratively. So he's going to enjoy that till it happens to him. Everybody loves a good backdoor on a, on eviction vote until it happens to you. And then it's not so fun. So what if he gets backdoored? What if that happens to him? Bad. He'll, he'll probably own it, too. He's like, yeah, I said I liked it, so. <laughs> uh, strategy for winning the game. So the, although I feel my athletic ability background will bring me far in the game, primary strategy for winning Big Brother is heavily dependent on my social abilities. I've been told countless times by many, both peers and strangers, that my charm is powerful. I plan on using the skill in every social interaction in the house, male or female. Life motto, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Uh, fun facts, he is a former D1AA collegiate athlete. An injury ended it before it really began. He is a former live lottery television host for Rhode Island Lottery. Won his very first car, a 2008 Honda Civic, in a video-making contest. Quit his jobs in the summer of 2016 to take a road trip around the United States in that very Honda Civic. Five weeks and 9,831.2 miles later, my desire for, for spontaneous adventure and experiences only grew. I created and have my own personal fishing website. Let's move on to Aza, age 30, Baltimore, Maryland, current city. Occupation Director of Sales Operations. She describes herself as charismatic, crafty, and clumsy. Says she loves cooking. Her favorite house guest duos. Wow, here we go. Yeah, this is one thing that this has really been talked about with her. She's an old schooler. I like it. I like it a lot. When she names duos, she names Allison and June from Big Brother 4. Talked about how they dominated the house with loyalty only to each other. And she hopes to get a powerful partner in the house and sit with them in the final two. Uh, duh, duh, duh. what is your favorite moment on Big Brother Keisha's birthday? Anybody want cake? <laughs> from Big Brother 10. It's an iconic line from Keisha's birthday where everything just went completely upside down. People started calling everybody out. And then the iconic line of, anybody want cake? Man, it was iconic in Big Brother history. Uh, <laughs> too many iconic moments to name Libra screaming her accolades to Jerry, Jesse instigating, Dan staying out of trouble, that sad happy birthday after everyone just finished screaming to each other classic. That's what she's talking about again with Keisha's birthday. 
Strategy for winning the game, spot the power players early and annihilate or divide them one by one. Play for myself, not the house. So she wants every house guest to feel like they have me in their pocket. No showmances. She says no showmances. And life's motto, you haven't started living until you've started living for others. She said, although this motto might not serve her best in the game, though, but she'll see. So, let's see, fun facts about herself. Grandfather was a polygamist who had six wives and 47 children, and she has over 300 cousins. Her name means able to make friends. She's an avid traveler. Prior to COVID, she visited four countries per year. She is afraid of manholes. Wow. Uh, attended a Messianic Jewish school for primary school upbringing. So I, I like what I see out of her, and there's been a lot of good feedback on her. I like her strategy to where she, because there's so many times people don't want to go after the power players. She sounds like she wants to break that up immediately, and I'm all for that. I love that. Love that. And I love that she's an old school fan. She, she's clearly somebody that's been watching Big Brother for a long time, so... I, got, I have hopes for her. I definitely have hopes for her. Pretty excited about this. Alyssa, age 24, Sarasota, Florida, swimwear designer. She is about to turn 25 on July 17th. Three words to describe her. Witty, sarcastic, outgoing. Favorite activities, weightlifting, videography, and video editing. Me and her could have a good time talking about that. Boating with friends, going to the dog park. And going to Siesta Key Beach to watch the sunset. Favorite duos from the past. She has Jessica and Cody from Big Brother 19. And let's see. As far as strategy. Well, let's go back to favorite past moments. She has her favorite past moment was from season 11. Which she said was the first season she had ever watched. So she's been watching Big Brother for a while. I like that a lot. And it was the moment when when Jeff used the coup d'etat to put Jesse and Natalie on the block. And she loved that the power shifted to him and Jordan. So, strategy to win the game. My strategy for winning the game is to win the very first HOH. I think the first HOH is the most important one. I would then be able to align myself with powerful physical and mental players. But I'd also try to make a final two alliance with someone outside of that. That way I can see the game from all angles. I think my social game is what will help me the most. I'm very outgoing, understanding, and comforting. House guests will want to talk to me about their thoughts on other house guests, and I will use that to my advantage by having a lot of people to trust me. So I won't speak my mind too much on weeks that I'm not HOH, but put ideas in her head to get rid of certain people I think would hurt my game, just like Tyler played on Season 20. So the, the first HOH thing, that's... Very debatable. For me, I always... It's, it's very debated among fans. Some people don't want anything to do with the first HOH. And then some say the first HOH, HOH sets you up. For me, I guess I lean more on the don't win the first HOH thing. Because usually you can make a lot of enemies right off the bat. And a lot of the Big Brother strategy is to just get in there and do nothing for a while. And it's, it's a frustrating strategy, but it tends to work. 
I don't think it's, I don't know how to work with a team thing going on this year. But the thing with the first HOH is like, you can have two scenarios. You could either have like Cody last year to where if Cody didn't win that first HOH, I think that game's very different. I really do. I don't know if Cody lasts. I think Cody might have been on the block first thing, first of the week, first week. I don't know. I'm not sure. But it worked out. I mean, it set up his game for the end. Then you have Cody from, well, it's funny, Cody and Cody. You have Cody from Big Brother 19 to where he won the first HOH, and it was complete disaster to where there were twists and people winning vetoes and safety. And he, he by the time it was over, I joked that I think he had nominated half the house in his first week. So he had a huge target on him to where he had just made like half the house mad because he had to nominate like, you know, I'm exaggerating, but like six or seven people. I don't know how many it was. It could have been that many. But so it didn't work out for him where he had a big target. But then you have, you know, Cody Calafiore from last season to where it set him up. So that can go either way. That can go either way. So Alyssa's life motto, invest your energy in things you can control. Fun facts about herself. She was featured on a Hooters billboard and taxi top. She has her drone aircraft license, a bachelor's degree in broadcast production. Wow, she is a video person. Gymnastics for 10 years. She did that. And she is launching a swimwear line, if I can get that word out. So that is your cast of Big Brother 23. An in-depth look at the cast of Big Brother 23. So... Let's see how this goes. The thing that I love about this cast is the diversity. This is a very diverse cast and something that we have really, really wanted and really pushed for. And this is a major positive. I really like the diversity that we're seeing in this cast. It's going to be a good thing, especially when we're coming off Big Brother Canada 9 that pushed that they were going to have the 50 50 diverse cast and this was something that they hammered home and it delivered so huge we had such a great cast the big brother canada nine cast is the best big brother cast we have had in years and it was the best season we have had in years was the gameplay messy oh yes it was (laughs) it was messy as could be but it was a very fun messy and I just, I love the Big Brother Canada 9 cast. It it was just a very fun season to watch. So I love that they've got this diverse cast for Big Brother 23. I just want this to be a good season. And yeah, I'm going to admit it. I'm, I'm a hardcore Big Brother fan. I have watched from the beginning. I didn't watch season one because it was, because it aired every night and I got behind so quickly that I didn't, I wasn't able to keep up. So I only watched like, I watched the finale. I watched the Big Brother finale and then I kept up with it. But Big Brother 2, the second it second it launched, I was in and I've been hardcore ever since. Of course, there's been some seasons that I have really not liked and have just limped to the finish line to try to get through. And, but, you know, this... 
I just have not been very excited about Big Brother coming up just because the last few seasons have been so bad and so boring and just so many, like some of these casts have just been so unlikable and just such drama and say horrible things, you know, and and the gameplay has been bad, you know, but one thing that they're clearly wanting to do with this team thing is they want to break up the big alliance because this is what happens every year with Big Brother and modern day Big Brother and it's a problem. There's a big alliance that forms of like eight people or ten people and it seems like it gets bigger and bigger every year. I mean, we had the six, you know, from Big Brother 20, uh, level six, and then you had you know, different ones. But last year, how many people were in? Well, I mean, then you go back to, I'm not even going to talk about that season because I can't stand that season and I refuse to talk about it. <laughs> but we go back to like last season to where I was talking, no, I'm not talking about last season. I'm referring to a previous season. Uh, but last season, you know, we had an alliance of, I don't know how many were, was it about 10, eight or 10 was in that alliance of Cody's. So, and they just picked them off one by one and you had like Janelle and Kaser that wanted to play the game and play it hard, but they couldn't get any help and they were outnumbered and they couldn't do anything. They wanted to play, whereas the big alliance just controlled everything because they had numbers. They could do whatever they wanted to do. And this is what has happened so much in modern day Big Brother it's like your goal for the first thing of the game is make your, make sure you're in the big alliance. You get in the big alliance, you're set. That's what you want to do. And it's made the game very boring. So, because then like half the season is just nothing. It's just like, okay, we're just going to pick off these other players that aren't in this season or is aren't in our alliance on this season. So... With them doing this team thing, they are clearly looking to break that up. And that's going to be a positive. I really like that. But with Big Brother Canada being so strong this year and Big Brother US not being strong in recent years, I said this back in May when the finale of Big Brother Canada finished. Big Brother US, you're up. The bar has been set. Step up. Prove yourself. Make this show fun again. Do what you can. Give us something. We want to watch the show and love and enjoy the show. Step it up. Make this fun. And do it. Big Brother Canada showed how fun... It reminded us how fun this show is and how much we love this show. Big Brother US, do it. Step it up. Make it happen. I like this cast. You know, the... I like what I see so far with the cast. Hopefully this is going to be good. And it's like, I'm not saying this to the cast. I'm saying this to the producers. Make this show fun. <laughs> Make it fun. Make it more old school Big Brother. You know, we definitely, after last season, we clearly had the sign of, okay, this needs to be the end of this era of Big Brother. And we need to move into a new era of Big Brother. Because this is very stale and it's very dry. So let's hope Big Brother 23 gives us fun, enjoyment. And I like what I see out of this cast. What's so funny about 
you can't really go so much by the pre-show interviews. Of course, we hadn't got those yet, but I'm talking about just anything pre-show. You can't go by it because there's so many times where you're like, I really like that person. And within two weeks on the show, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't stand this person. And it's the other way around. Sometimes they give off like a bad first impression on their pre-show stuff. And then you watch them on the show and you're like, I really like this person. So, I mean, if that's the way it is that every year. That's going back to the beginning. Uh, you never know what you're going to get from the pre-show stuff onto the season. And, I mean, we've had seasons in the past where we'd see some of the pre-show stuff and you're like, this is going to be good. I like this cast. This is going to be good. And then, you know, a month in, you're like, this is one of the worst seasons of all time. So, I mean, you just never know. Every year we go in hopeful because we want it to be awesome and we want to enjoy it. We go in optimistic and we go in hopeful and we just we just hope for it to be great. And that's what we're going to do. Big Brother 23, we're going to go in optimistic. We're going to go in hopeful and that we're going to love this season. It's going to be great. And I don't want to look back on this in three months and be like, man, alive. <laughs> this was terrible. So let's keep the optimism. Big Brother US, we're counting on you. Step it up. Big Brother Canada delivered hard. Big Brother Canada delivered a great season. We want you to do the same. Give us a great summer. So that is it for this week's podcast. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.